Greetings! You're listening to the audio version of Up the Waterfall. To see us and everything we talk about, be sure to check out the video version by visiting youtube.com slash Xanaland. Thanks for listening! Well, now you got into this mess by going down a waterfall. Now, how would you suppose we could get them out of there? By going up the waterfall? That's right! Anything's possible in Disneyland. <laughs> Welcome, friends, and thank you for joining us on this episode of Up the Waterfall with your hosts, Zana and Scott Otis. Greetings, everyone. Husband and wife team behind Up oh, the Waterfall. That's right. If you're just joining us for the first time. Indeed. Every now and then I have to throw in a who we are kind of thing, I guess. Yeah, we just celebrated our fifth wedding anniversary. That is true. Congratulations. Uh, <laughs> yes, congratulations to us. <laughs> Speaking of numbers... This is episode number 45, and we've been doing the show for well over a year now, but we're <laughs> slowly <laughs> creeping up to what should have been, you know, 52 episodes in a year. But Who says you have to do one a week? Not Nobody. us. <laughs> um, it's totally fine. But yeah, we'll have more on the future of the podcast at a later date. Oh, yeah. But right now, we're going to jump in, and this is an interesting topic, I think so. Near and dear to my heart. Especially, yes. Uh, the history of Celebration Florida. Ooh, I love which, it. Which, you know, isn't Disney anymore. You may know. Most people don't know that, actually. They still think that Disney owns it, just as they think, and I thought until you corrected me, that Disney still owns Golden Oak, the land. But I guess yeah. they sold the land. No, but Disney was, really does still, like, That was de-annexed from, from Disney property. Yes. Um, but anyway, we're going to delve into the storied history, Ooh. if you will, of <laughs> Celebration Florida, how it came to be, uh, how it was created, why it was created. Wow. And what's become of it now? I'm excited. Yeah, me too. Please tell. <laughs> um, I guess you wanted me to open with this quote from Walt Disney, which is, I don't believe there's a challenge anywhere in the world that's more important to people everywhere than finding solutions to the problems of our communities. Oops, that was a loud page noise. <laughs> Apologies. Uh, it's funny that you wanted me to read that because I wanted to talk briefly about, if you've been watching our live shows, you I know that been. this was... Uh, up the waterfall book club number one unofficially <laughs> that's right i wanted to get you indoctrinated into the whole story of walt yes so i recently finished this uh walt disney in american original by bob thomas if you have not read it i highly recommend it's kind of like it. the og biography of uh, walt yes, disney it really is fascinating and you know as i mentioned on the live show which you can rewatch on youtube it was the one from december first question mark <laughs> i don't know december 3rd uh I, there's so many interesting facts that i did yeah. not know about walt and more specifics and details on things that i did know so i really enjoyed it however i wanted to briefly talk about um there was a moment in his life when he realized that he really cared about city planning and mm -hmm. like creating a community and that was something that he wanted to do a lot of architects came to him and were like you know you couldn't plan a city better than disneyland yeah. like everything is the way it's supposed to be because before then amusement parks 
were not planned out in any sort of like that's true wheel and spoke spoken wheel uh fashion so he really did put meaning and thought behind everything he did down to the way you approached every area Mm -hmm. you know that's how we get theming and all those details down to the trash cans and things like that um anyway i'm gonna quote him again he was doing um he was members of the press asked him about the model community for because he had already talked about the florida project Mm -hmm. and of course he was going to be doing that and he said i would like to be part of building a model community a city of tomorrow you might say because i don't believe in going out to this extreme blue sky stuff that some architects do i believe that people still want to live like human beings there's a lot of things that could be done i'm not against the automobile but i feel that the automobile has moved into communities too much I feel that you can design so the automobile is there, but peop- but still put people back as pedestrians again, you see. You see? <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to work on a project like that. Also, I mean in the way of schools, facilities for the community, community entertainments, and life. I'd love to be a part of building up a school of tomorrow. Um, and he goes on from there. So that was really the wow. origins of... Epcot yeah. or the experimental prototype community of tomorrow. Yeah, you could even say that, you know, he was thinking of celebration. Well, but. yeah. And so time went on. Obviously, Epcot did not become a community to live in. Um, but the original theme park itself was definitely a model for a future living, I would say. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's a reason that every, you know, the Disneyland Park, of course, begins with, uh, you know, the Main Street, which is a a recreation of Marceline, you know, his boyhood home. And it's a kind of internationally recognized manifestation of an ideal of the the bygone uh, era of, you know, of an American way of life. So it goes there and then, as you said, spokes out to each of the different lands. So it's like a perfect development. Yeah. And... I think he definitely was a traditionalist in that he wanted that community feel to a town. He wanted people to be involved with each other. That's why Mm -hmm. he didn't want, like, he loved technology, obviously, with Tomorrowland and all the future projects he was working on. But he didn't want that to take over people's lives. And he thought that cars in general were just really increasing pollution and noise and that of course was happening right at that time yeah. especially a lot of the uh, the suburbs of southern california yes. that was basically it was just being dominated by the car culture you know mm-hmm. and that's when the freeways were being built and that's right all that fun stuff so fast forward many years to the era of michael eisner and he and frank wells were just like well you know we've got a bunch of stuff that we can do they did uh, the cruise line, yeah. and uh, what I love reading about Michael Eisner, and you have his biography there. Right. It's fascinating to me how much his whole family was involved in all of the decisions that were being made by this <laughs> multi-billion-dollar corporation at the time. You know, as we know, the story of um, his son's name is Breck, Breck right? yeah. wanting to have Splash Mountain called mm-hmm. Splash Mountain or whatever, and. You know, things like that. You just read little things and like his wife supposedly came up with calling it celebration. Yeah, that's right. Um, so they had all this land and they were parceling out the land at Walt Disney World Resort and they had conservation land and they were left with 9,000 acres, I believe. Yeah, 9,000 acres. Uh, they basically did a whole um, like a, a development of the, not development, uh, a Study. study of the entire acreage 
of Walt Disney World property and, you know, detailing not only what there was, but like the future use of that. Yeah. And yeah, they saw that there was 9,000 acres south of US 192, kind of separated uh, from the main Disney property by both 192 and Interstate 4, that uh, basically they needed to do something with it. Mm. And I'm sure a lot of this had to do with either, you know, taxes and write-offs and oh, yeah. things like that. So it wasn't it wasn't like Michael Eisner, I don't think, was like, we need to build a community. I think it just kind of all came together. I think, I think it was some of that, though. Well, I think a lot of it had to do with the past Walt Disney. They, yes. He wanted to make good on that promise um, that Walt had to build a community. Right. But and they wanted to focus on specific things like education and mm -hmm. health and wellness and things like that. I will say, though, that Michael Eisner, he actually did have that kind of, um, you know, develop, development in um, in his blood. Uh, that's it, true. His father was a developer and uh, served as the eastern regional head of the Housing, sorry, housing and Urban <laughs> Renewal Authority under Dwight Eisenhower. Wow. And then later became a head of housing for New York State under... Uh, then Governor Nelson Rockefeller. Hmm. So he, he had ideas like that. Right. And, he, you know, he did want to put his stamp on the, you know, the company. Yeah. And he had uh, previously, you know, started to bring in some master architects. That's the thing, to, too. Yeah. Uh, he was, like, fascinated it, with architecture yeah. around that time. And, you know, that's when he brought Michael Graves in to do the Swan and Dolphin. Love it or hate it. Which it's at the very, time <clears throat> were the largest <laughs> buildings on property, I guess, the yeah. largest hotel. That's right. Um, you know, we I think we kind of take for granted now that they're just part of the horizon and part of the skyline of Disney. But when they were first built, it was definitely was like, what the heck <laughs> is going on? I and personally love them. <laughs> very modern. And Michael Graves was a very popular I mean, he was the first architect I really knew who he was yeah. kind of thing. You know, he had like his own line of items, like home <laughs> home office items Much and stuff later, like yeah. that. But yeah, just before that, he had done the, the Portland building in Portland, Oregon. And that was really the uh, the, the first of the large um, buildings that he had ever done. Mm. So doing large buildings was fairly new to him. But yeah, um, d doing the Swan and Dolphin, yeah, that, would, that definitely left a mark. Yeah. And I guess at one point, Michael Eisner joked, I don't know if this, no one knows for sure if he was serious or joking about it, that he wanted to put a giant hotel in the shape of Mickey oh, Mouse right, across yeah. the straddling uh, yeah, Riverside Drive. This was shortly after he, uh, you know, came to the company with Frank Wells. And he was, this was as he was wanting to put, you know, his stamp on the company. And they were having like a, a gathering with, with everyone. And yeah, he, he mentioned having wanting to put a, a giant building in the shape of Mickey Mouse. <laughs> yeah, and I, th I think he was kidding, but he wanted to basically provoke thought. Yeah. Um, I, I know Wing Chow was uh, definitely involved with that yeah. situation and basically told him, we can't really do that. And he Where said, would the elevator go? Yeah, where would we put the elevator? <laughs> yes. Um, but I think it was just to kind of get, get the, uh, the sparks yeah. in people's minds about the kinds of things that they could do. Yeah. So that was really what led to, well, let's build a town. Yeah. And he brought in all sorts of architects to put their mark on it in various mm -hmm. ways. The main two, of course, were Robert A.M. Stern. 
right, who had uh, just recently, um, I, I don't, I'm not sure of the timing of this, right. but he, we all know of him as having designed the Yacht and Beach Club mm-hmm. at um, Boardwalk. the Boardwalk, as well as the Newport uh, Bay Hotel at uh, Disneyland Paris. Yes, and uh, the Feature Animation Building. All right. As well. And then the other one was, I don't know if he pronounces his name, you know, like the French would, but Jacqueline (laughs) T. (laughs) Robertson. They called him Jack, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, Who had designed the main uh, master plan of Euro Disney. Right. As well as some other things. Um, Which, if you look at it from overhead, the whole whole, uh, Disneyland Paris uh, footprint, if you will, is just amazing. It's all kind of... In a giant circle. Hmm. It's amazing to look at overhead. So there had been lots of um, proposals, and it basically came down to being worked on by both um, Robert Stern and Jack Robertson's firms. So they really were the ones behind it. But then each um, major building downtown, and we'll get into that in a little bit, was um, designed by... A different architect. And basically doled out to all the different kind of, a lot of them were the famous architects that uh, Disney had used, mm-hmm. like Michael Graves. Yeah. And, and others, they were first time yeah. uh, Disney um, building designers, if mm-hmm. you will. Uh, but before we get into that, mm. let's talk about a little bit about the planning. Yeah. What inspired them and what they were going for with Celebration. Um, I have my trusty... <laughs> <laughs> 20,000 Leagues Nautilus. Well, no, it's not really a Nautilus. What are they? Those are just the submarines. This is from the submarine voyage. Anyway, <laughs> I didn't have any sticky <laughs> notes up here. So they went out, all of these um, Disney folks that were mm-hmm. looking for inspiration. And Michael Eisner's grandmother or mother had lived in Savannah, Georgia. I believe it was grandmother. Grandmother. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they that was one of the inspirations. So they toured Savannah, Charleston, South Carolina... Kiowa? Kiowa Island and Sea Pines and Hilton Head <laughs> in South Carolina. Okay. Um, Columbia, Maryland, Ke- Kentlands, Avenel, Coral Gables, and Seaside, which the last two are yeah, in Florida. Yeah, Kentlands, Avenel, and Columbia are all uh, cities just outside of Washington, D.C. in uh, in Maryland. He also They also visited uh, Nantucket in Massachusetts, East Hampton mm. in New York, and as you said, uh, Coral Gables and what is Misner Park in Boca Raton, Florida. That's not a Disney reference anymore because now it's Enchanted Road. That's right. <laughs> <clears throat> um, seaside, Florida, oh, in yeah. the Panhandle, everyone, of course, knows was used to film the Truman Show. Exactly, which is kind of like basically a, a movie about an idyllic yeah. town. When did... Um, Truman Show come out. I believe that was, I want to say, 94 or 5, where, right around the time the celebration uh, was introduced. 94, really? Oh. I th- well, a little bit after. I'm not, I'm not totally sure. <laughs> 1998. Okay. All right. So celebration so a little already bit existed afterward. then. Yeah. <clears throat> Interesting. Um, so, yeah, that was all of their inspiration. And I'm reading from this. We're going to talk about the books, I, I think, yes. at the end. But I just want to give you a nice over. list at the end. This is something called Celebration Journal, Inaugural Issue. I think is, it was the only issue. Yeah. a we- Produced by Disney, I guess. Mm-hmm. A weird little magazine of 
lots of what's going to be going on in celebration That's and right. how they got there. So there's this fascinating article at the end of the places they went to visit and who they spoke to and all sorts of stuff. Yeah, actually, um, when they went to Columbia, Maryland, they actually came upon a, a fellow there wh- whose last name is Rouse. I, I'm not sure who it is in there, but he, he had actually spoken to Walt uh, way back in the day when Walt was uh, starting to become interested in city planning. And so it's, it's interesting that they had come across him yeah. and he was ba- basically able to uh, give his thoughts that he gave to Walt and share mm-hmm. it with them as well. Yes, that is very interesting. Um, okay, so that's the backstory, and then that began the planning, of mm-hmm. course. And so Master they decided planning, yeah. that they wanted um, the community to have several principles, which I will read to you now. <laughs> <laughs> if I can scroll up. Okay, the five cornerstones of celebration, right. which were health, education, technology, sense of community, and sense of place. So basically, most of those are self-explanatory. The sense of community was, of course, you know, neighbors and things like that, belonging, um, taking pride in your community sort of things. The sense of place was like a recognizable, like you walk in and you know, this is celebration. Like I'm in celebration. So... um, very interesting it's it's strange to think about a plan a town actually being planned like this yeah i mean one of the things that i've noticed when you go through celebration there are so many things that basically scream celebration whether it be the, even the little street signs that all have that little uh the imprint of the you know the little girl riding her bicycle with the dog uh Designed by Michael Beirut. Oh, yeah. He included key community. He designed key community elements, including street signs, retail signage, manhole covers, fountains, golf course graphics, park trail markers, as well as some of the sales brochures, which I know I have in a box somewhere, but (laughs) no amount of pre-planning could have let me find it. But right. And I was going to also say, you know, the the white fences that yeah. kind of line the the streets that lead into the into town. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's all very, you know, basically it is celebration. Yes. And of course the the you know the sense of community. Of course, we'll we'll go into that with the house styles and things like that. But yes. there's a lot of things that they did uh, with the houses and the, and the planning of which to encourage the idea of community. Yes. Well, we can jump right into that. Okay. So there was various home types, um, including colonial revival, classical, French country, coastal, Mediterranean, and Victorian. So if you've ever driven through Celebration or you plan to, you will see those different um, styles of home. Mm-hmm. And for those unaware, I actually lived in Celebration. Which is and actually, that's a great thing to <laughs> add to this You'll it was um my dream to live there for many years i i'll take a brief moment to discuss my history of celebration i guess um we moved to florida my mother and i in 1995 and they had just they didn't break ground until well i guess they broke ground at yeah, 94 they, but they didn't no one moved in until 96 mm-hmm. basically and so it was a very big deal at the time that this was happening and even though I didn't yet live here and I didn't work for Disney I knew it was coming it was covered in national news and things like oh, that yeah. they decided to do a lottery 
um, for the first 350 lots, home lots, and the first 150 apartments. That's right. And this was to encourage diversity because a lot of folks were worried that there was going to be only a certain type (laughs) of person that was going to live there. And that kind of happened anyway. We'll get into that later. But um, basically, it was a very big hubbub that was going on with the lotteries and things like that. Now, at the time, the median home price for a house in celebration was $200,000, which I sure wish it was today. (laughs) Um, But at the time, me just graduating high school and not high school, wow, college, um, that was definitely not in the cards for me as much as I wanted to live there. But... Um, I then worked at Disney and we stayed in Florida and I would always be driving through. I'm sure you did as well because you had been living here as well. But as they were developing different sections of celebration, they would have these really fun, um, basically like cutouts. I don't know what to call them. Um, The cross section. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like um, when you go on the great movie ride and it's just the facade. That's the word I'm looking for. Oh, facade. Okay. Um, but they weren't that detailed. It was literally just a flat thing, but it would oh, look okay. like a house. Do you remember that? Being I do a now thing? know what you're talking about. Yet. I've tried to find photos totally of different. that. I'm sure I had them and they were thrown out or something like that. But um, you would basically drive down an empty street and there would be like, this is what the houses are going to look like <laughs> when they're done. Uh, and then they would have a model home somewhere that you could Yes. Go through and tour. And of course, the preview center in downtown Celebration, which right. is now a Bank of America. That's right. Um, you could go up. And that's why it has that little staircase, because you could see the whole town in front of you and they could say, this is what it's going to look like. And, you know, it was mm-hmm. very, a very exciting time. Um, and they developed different sections over time. So there was always different builders having different model homes. So I toured quite a few of them. They would have many open houses. Oh yeah. I went to all of through. the open houses too. And it was just, you know, living in New England prior to moving to Florida, it was amazing to see things like, wow, they have hardwood floors. It was just stuff that in Florida building was unheard of at the time, unless you had like a million dollars, I guess. Yeah, it was all very exciting. As I said, um, I I was living locally, of course, as well. And uh, I was excited about it, too, just because Disney was building a town. Yeah. Um, I, I was not excited to the point of even considering, <laughs> uh, you know, entering the lottery or anything like that. I was not in a place to uh, do that. I was just a... An, I think I was living in an apartment at the time. Um, but yeah, I went I went to all of the open houses and, and toured all of the homes, and I was just fascinated by it, just to the point of just going and looking. But, yeah. And, and then, of course, you know, the, the, the little downtown area and driving through all yeah. of that. It was just very fascinating to me. And for the record, I still <clears throat> love driving through oh, yeah. subdivisions and touring model homes. We do that all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I think that's part of why Celebration was always in the back of my mind is like my dream residence. And I, it just never worked out, I guess, pricing wise. It was always like overpriced to live oh, in yeah. Celebration. It had never occurred to me that I could rent anything until um, 2010 when I was on the mom's panel and that led to and my blog was kind of taking off back then so that really led to me doing a lot more events and I was living outside of Tampa 
little over an hour away in Wesley Chapel, Florida. And I would be driving an hour over and back to all these events. (laughs) And I was like, we really need to move back to Orlando because we had been living there. My husband at the time was transferred to Tampa and we had just kind of settled there because I really did like that area as well. Anyway, um, so it never occurred to me that I could rent a house (laughs) in celebration. So we then looked into that. I had a friend who was living in celebration and she was renting as well. And I was just like, wait what you can rent you a house in here yeah um so we did a lot of touring of um different houses which as you know i always point out when we're driving free like i almost rented that house <laughs> um so we actually rented a pretty darn big house yeah, <laughs> in celebration it was i guess um either the colonial or like the revival type because it had like big columns it was very right. like greek revival looking uh and the only reason we rented it was because it had an, a, a garage apartment that a lot of times were rented separately, but this one yeah. was rented all together. I mean, so that was my, a very prominent feature in Celebration. Yeah. It was a garage and a, with an apartment over it. Yes. Um, but yeah, a lot of people were able to rent out uh, yeah. a garage apartment, but that was a great place for Grammy. Yeah, so my mother um, moved into the garage apartment. Um, we did enjoy living there. I enjoyed living there. Um, downtown was always fun. You know, it's a different thing to live there than it is to drive through for sure, because there are, uh, all of those HOA things and CDC, which is the community design something, maybe it's CDG, I forget. Anyway, (laughs) a lot of rules and regulations, um, which we didn't really worry about as much because we were renting. So like we had landscapers that did all that stuff and things like that. Um, so yeah, basically I have some firsthand experience living in a celebration home and the fact that, yes, all the homes looked different and were a part of these different design styles, et cetera. Um, no house could be the same that was next to each other. They all had to be completely different. Mm-hmm. And each house had to include at least one special element, um, like a bay window or a balcony um, or a columned porch, etc. And if you can see in this section, this is the pattern book, um, which we will, you know, let you know what book this is. And basically they detailed all of the different styles that went along with each home style. So basically pointing out all the different features that each of the different home styles could have. Yeah. And uh, so there were different quite amazing elevation styles of course which they do you know in all building that you can have like a slightly different looking roof or window design or something Mm -hmm. like that um but yeah basically it wasn't like you could just go in and be like oh i'm just gonna build a house here and they were very unique and different looking um and then of course every house was in within walking distance to downtown yeah if you look at the layout especially right right near downtown of how uh, the streets kind of kind of uh, semicircle around it it's amazing how close each house is to the little downtown area yeah and there's so many walking trails and they put that lake right in the downtown area so you everyone has like a focal point once yeah. they get to downtown yeah so uh, and then there's trails that fan out from there and that's the key thing is uh, once they you know when they went to different developments um 
even though they were a little bit farther away, they had the trails that kind of went through the little buffer zones, the little Mm -hmm. green areas that took you right straight to downtown or basically interconnected each of the different uh, communities. Yeah, and there were uh, different styles of home, not necessarily visually, but like townhouse and apartments, um, garden homes, cottages, village homes, and estate homes, which of course were, if you've ever been there, and go down East Lawn, <laughs> those are the estate homes, um, which are huge. But there's the way that they built them, which um, I guess, you know, had already existed. But for me personally, I had never seen anything like that where the garages were behind the house yeah. in a little alleyway. And then sometimes they were connected but a lot of times they weren't. And they had, like we said, the garage apartments over them. So you could, you would park your car in the garage behind in the little alleyway, um, which has been adopted in many subdivisions yeah, since then. I actually grew up in, in Texas with the with with alleyways. Alleyway thing. And yeah, because a lot of times, you know, the, the big plain garage door is kind of an eyesore. Yeah. Uh, I mean, especially down here in Florida, like subdivisions became just like, how big a garage can we put yeah. in front? You know, and a then, lot of people like to have a three-car garage, yeah. not necessarily to put three cars in, but for storage space. Yeah. But, you know, that's just a big old plain space that mm-hmm. kind of doesn't really uh, accentuate the things that you want in, yeah. in a house. And so then the porches or, you know, at least depending on how big the house was, there was always like a front oh, yeah. entryway that you could sit out on and talk with your neighbors yeah, and that all was the, the different, goal was all the different size home styles each had a, a front porch yeah. a lot of them were wraparound porches and you know they had uh, they actually had fairly small backyards and yeah and the even, lots themselves weren't that yeah the big, lots aren't except that for the big. estate homes and and the even just the how far back the houses are set back from the road all of it was to encourage both you know pedestrian traffic um, you know, p- kids not necessarily playing in their backyards because they're too small, but playing out in front. Yeah. Uh, and it basically a lot of foot traffic, a lot of communication between neighbors. And yeah. It was ingenious. And like I said, they, many other places uh, since then in the Florida area alone, I'm sure tons of other places as well, have tried to not necessarily build an entire town, but try to make subdivisions that have that sort of uh, alleyway design mm-hmm. and What's funny is the last uh, couple of places we've looked at in this neighborhood that we live in now, they'll have some houses that do that <laughs> where the garage is in the back and then some like ours where the garage is in the front. So yeah. it doesn't really, they didn't really think that through, but it has spawned a lot of um, community first kind of subdivisions mm-hmm. in the area. There's a place um, outside of Tampa called Fishhawk Ranch. That definitely tried to be celebration. Independence <laughs> um, in Winter oh, yeah. Garden definitely tried to do that. Without the downtown area, they are actually now getting a lot more stores and things like that. But Celebration was the only one that really tried to make a microcosm in our area, anyway, um, of a community. Yeah. So, and they would use those small um, backyards and the alleyways to have like a more modest home back up to maybe a larger home, not necessarily an estate one, but a larger one to kind of encourage yeah, that to have a diversity of, of, uh, yeah. economic, um, you know, exactly. S- uh, styles, if you will. <laughs> yes. So it was divided into villages, 
Um, and the first to be built was Celebration Village, which was right around the downtown mm-hmm. area. Um, that's right near where the school is. And there's sort of like um, Georgetown style, I guess they're condos um, in that area with just like, you know, the walk-ups kind of thing. And then fanning out from that are the different styles. And also, of course, that the canal that goes straight from downtown yes. right up to the golf center the golf with center. a lot of the uh, townhomes accompany- alongside that road. Yes. And then um, Lake Evelyn was the next section to be built, which if you're looking at downtown this way is a little <laughs> bit to the right. Um, and there's those houses have very little yard. Um, they're right. very close together, but they're very um, they're very cute in style and they have their own little lake and stuff like that. Um, next was North Village, which mm-hmm. is the one closest to 192. And that really became its own separate thing that has its own huge estate homes area more apartments and townhouses lots of green space um a little circular area yeah, in and the back I, and honestly i love how each of these different areas has their own little green spaces little yeah. you know parks of varying sizes you know some that are just kind of little little uh, cute little parks and others that are quite vast yeah all interspersed between them mm-hmm. and then east village was the next section to be built which um, that is where East Lawn is, and there's a whole other area that goes back in there. And then right next to that, um, off of Celebration Ave, I always get those confused. There's like Celebration Ave, Celebration Boulevard. There's four different streets with the name Celebration. But like the main one from downtown, um, next to that was like the Spring Park area, which is where I lived. Mm -hmm. Um, And that has its own little heritage hall which is like a little clubhouse thing and there's like a pool and a playground there and then further back from that is um, artisan park which was the last village to be built and that has its own set of everything else like if you're in (laughs) artisan park you have your own benefits which they have their own clubhouse and stuff like that so and what's amazing is even from there if you um, look at it on an overhead map it's still it's it's pretty far from everything and yet they still have the little uh, walkways yeah. that just Trails. like cut through the forest to get to different things like the high school or mm-hmm. uh, or other places. Yeah, that's it's the amazing. thing is um, all of there's no bus service for the kids in the town of Celebration. Um, there is for kids that are in the school zone but uh, not living in Celebration because that's more than a mile right. away. But everyone else, you know, you could either get dropped off by your parents or you could walk. Um, my kids took their bike or scooter to the middle school when they went there and they could, if they wanted to walk to the high school as well. But we then moved out of celebration, but they still went to celebration high school. <laughs> it was all legal. Don't worry about it. Um, but, uh, the, so the high school came much later. We'll get into that in a, in a little bit, yes. but, um, Aquila loop was the other one that was further back all behind right. East park. And that, also has its own mix of like there's a house down back there that's like a compound it's so huge yeah there's a couple of those and then just regular houses in the back there so mm-hmm. it's fascinating and yeah. they also really promoted um these electric vehicles oh, when right. they first built the place um ecvs i think they call mm-hmm. them but not the ecvs that we know in the parks <laughs> as scooters um electronic conveyance vehicle i believe i could be wrong on that 
but that was like a big thing when oh yeah i don't see as many of them anymore i yeah, they think had the, little places for you to yeah there was like special parking end. places yeah. for them downtown and things like that and you would always see them just driving through the town when you're yeah. walking around but not sure how many are still there um but getting back into the downtown area so we can go over the major landmarks and who they were designed by yeah. if you want so the post office as you mentioned was designed by michael graves that's very recognizable and what's interesting about that one is it's the smallest of all of yeah. the buildings that were uh, given it was because um michael eisner had seen how he had done the the giant uh, swan and dolphin mm. buildings which were so big he wanted to basically challenge him by giving him the smallest and he did so much with it <laughs> uh with that uh you know the little um the circular window, the, yeah. the the portico or little thing on top, outdoor uh, post office boxes yes. to you know encourage more neighborly chat and yeah. that kind of thing. Because there are apartment buildings above or condos, all of the little downtown yeah. area. So we like the rest of the houses. Most of them have their own mailbox, but if you were in the downtown area, you could go to the mailboxes. Um, the town hall was designed by Philip Johnson, an architect who was in his 90s yeah. when he designed this. This one was it. my uh, favorite because it has, um, what, 52, 52 uh, tiny thin little, columns. Very thin columns, but it is very reminiscent of the Greek yeah. style with, uh, with, you know, a it place was, where people would gather um, that had a lot of column, columns that kind of said that that's what this is yeah it was hall. his take a modern version of a colonial revival building but the columns were not what you're used to seeing in a colonial revival building um it's very like mid-century modern looking exactly. to me like very cool 60s design um but yeah that was his take on that very cool the preview center was designed by Charles Moore. Um, as I mentioned, it's now Bank of America. That was actually the last building that he ever uh, mm. designed before his he passed away. So I think that's part of what makes Celebration so fascinating is the way that the town looks itself. You're like, oh, okay, this is a very like Stepford Wives white picket fence <laughs> style. But the downtown area has these amazing so many different architectural styles. Um, they also, don't necessarily match, but they're amazing on their own. Right. I would include the cinema, of course, oh, in yes. that one. I have many oh, more to include. So I didn't really. <laughs> there's um, also the Bank of Celebration, which is mm -hmm. SunTrust now. Um, and that has a very cool like pastel yeah. design on the top of it. And them. they intentionally did not include a drive through Correct. On that, uh, for that bank. Because yes. they wanted to, once again, encourage um, foot traffic. And so they had the parking for all of these uh, downtown areas and, and things like that in the back yeah. and not necessarily along the streets so that um, you park in the back if you needed to and then get out and walk yeah. to your destination. Um, the movie theater, as you mentioned, was designed by Cesar Pelli, who I believe was one of those new people that mm -hmm. had not ever, right. he was f from Argentina. Um, he had actually designed those tall towers in Kuala Lumpur. Ooh. Oh, that's right. This. So that's pretty cool. The Patronus Towers. Um, he, this movie theater was his ode to the stripped deco style uh, of backlot architecture of Hollywood's golden era. And one of his inspirations was actually Car the Carthay Circle that's right. cinema. Where Snow White uh, 
premiered. Yes. And I love these movie theater. The well, There's two of them, but they're like oh, yeah. so cool. And it's so disappointing that AMC theaters used to be there. They've left probably like 10 years ago now. It's been quite a long time. But yeah, I, I went to several movies yeah. there. And it was just the cutest little movie house. It, it had really two was. screens. And it was just perfect. Yeah. It reminded me of when, you know, I would go up to Maine and Ogunquit and just a little town movie theater that was yeah. not a huge stadium yeah. seating. It had the little, they actually did have stadium seating. Well, yes, seating, they did, but it but, wasn't like. But it didn't, uh, yeah. <laughs> but they had the cute little, uh, you know, uh, ticket window on the outside yeah. and all that. And they even had, uh, they designed it so that there were a couple of shops um, on the wings of it on the, mm-hmm. the where you kind of had to enter through there to get into the uh, little courtyard area. Yeah, very cool. And I really hope that something can be put back in there. Yeah. Maybe just like a celebration theater and they can have a drama department and they can put on their own shows. That would be fun. That would be great <laughs> for even just the celebration high school you know, drama team to Maybe. put uh, their They'd shows on there. Construction, I guess, to make it into an actual stage. But. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, those are really fun. If you've lived here long enough, you may have gone to that movie theater. Um, next up, the Celebration School, the K eight, oh, right. was designed by William Ron, and he was known for his educational facilities. Um, he actually toured a lot of schools in Florida and was really inspired by the old. Um, schools he's found in Mount Dora. That's right. Which is very historical looking on its own. And then um, a Catholic school he found in downtown Orlando. So that inspired him. <laughs> um, and let's talk about the school briefly. Yeah, I mentioned. Because they originally, um, was it K through 8 or even K through 12? Well, originally? they wanted to do K 12 and then they decided okay. to only do K through 8. But they wanted to do it in such a way where they brought in a lot of the, you know, the best, um, not just teachers, but just uh, learning concepts where people or sorry, where students wouldn't necessarily all be within the same grade in the same class. Right. They wanted everyone to be working together, not necessarily, you know, separated grades. And in addition to that, they didn't even want to have grades. Like letter grades, uh, (laughs) no testing. So it was just a very weird concept for a lot of people. Yeah, it was very controversial at the time. Yeah, Uh, there was a lot of complaints and back and forth. It was very forward thinking, but a lot of people, you know, are just very traditional in the way they want their children to be educated. And so... Because you have to understand that because of Celebration was being built as a Disney town it had so much interest and so many people wanted to live here and all of those people came from different places where they had traditional school systems maybe they were the presidents of their PTA back then (laughs) and they really wanted to be involved Um, that definitely still happened but there was a lot of back and forth and they eventually did alter the education plan and it became a regular school I'm not sure how long that would have lasted anyway because it is in osceola county and it's an osceola county public school yeah um i mean but still it's it's considered one of the uh the highest you know it's got the highest letter grade of all of the local schools tests very well yeah (laughs) um and then they later built the high school and that's just a regular high school it's not an architectural marvel uh very standard florida high school design unfortunately but 
what are you going to do? Um, so yeah, it was a very interesting, and they all, they have a couple other, they have a Montessori school in the town and oh, then like right. a full-time daycare. There's since been something else added even since I lived there. Mm. That's like another, um, preschool type learning environment. Okay. Um, now at some point in time, <laughs> Disney stopped having ownership of celebration and they passed it on to a management company right lexan capital i believe um and that's where things started to get a little troubling because there was a lot of uh structural issues with some of the downtown buildings and things like that and so a lot of the people that lived there filed a lawsuit against the management company because they weren't fixing them so you know every town is with its it's issues. Very no town so. is perfect, yep. but that was one of them. <laughs> um, but back in its heyday, Celebration had a ton of uh, oh, events yeah. that they would do. I would say first and foremost among those was Founders Day. That's true. Which in was November. Uh, yeah, November eighteenth, nineteen ninety-five. Which was, I believe, that day that everyone gathered um, to for the lottery that to uh, get the first oh, yeah. set of uh, you know, apartments and home sites, and so that they basically called that Founders Day that actually took place so uh, where Celebration Place is now you know the office buildings uh, are now today and uh, but yeah basically they would kind of uh, center a lot of their um, activities in the fall you know right around Founders Day I, I personally participated in a Founders Day 10k back when they had that wow yeah. and now that has become the Celebration Half Marathon I believe oh wow uh, I think that's in March, I want to say, oh, wow. but I'm not positive on that. But you can look it up if you'd like. <laughs> um, a lot of people I know run that and get their best um, personal records for running a half marathon. Oh, yeah. And it does, it's like, lets you qualify for other Disney races and stuff like that. So good times. Uh, anyway, they also had things like Oktoberfest. Um, I think they call it something with fall in it now, which obviously none of this stuff happened this year. Um, so who knows what next year will hold. But Yeah, and they had the perfect venue for it because right there on Market Street, they, they could essentially close it down to, you know, yeah, um, and to they do. car traffic mm-hmm. and basically cordon off so that it's only um, available for foot, tra- foot traffic. They've been able to put things like uh, ice skating rinks and... Uh, where they had like snow. I'm not fall talking about Christmas yet. And, Hold on. And leaves. Yes. I should say fall Doing leaves. Fall leaves. They would have <laughs> leaves come out like confetti from um, these little boxes, and it was very fun and cute. And then they also did something in Fourth of July every year. They did like a concert, and they would close off Market oh, right. Street and do, um, I guess, various food things, food trucks, like and the Pie Festival. Pie Festival is in the spring. The no, Great I mean. American Pie Festival, and it is s- broadcast on a uh, Food Network. Oh, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, that was a big thing. You could have pies from everywhere. People would actually make them, but there was a lot of, like, uh, corporate pies, like, <laughs> from Village like Inn and Publix and things sure. like that. And it became, like, a whole fun festival. Yeah. Um, I remember we went to that one time. Yeah. That was I've been to yummy. it many times. And they also have just a farmer's market where every weekend where they will have, you know, local vendors come in and and sell stuff. But the Christmas event. Sorry, I jumped the gun (laughs) on that one. (laughs) Um, Now snowing, I think they call it. I could be getting that wrong, though. 
they would have snow or snope, as we like to call it, <laughs> the same stuff that you would see at, you know, the Osborne Family Spectacle of Dancing Lights right. or Main Street USA. Yep. But because it is in a concentrated area of Main uh, Market Street, and they had the ice skating rink there too, and they would have a Christmas tree that they moved to different places over the years. But the snope would accumulate. Yeah. And to like knee high. Yeah. It was always a funny thing. And I have lots of pictures of various children frolicking in the snope. I just remembered something else. What's that? You remember when they actually brought in real snow? And they. Uh, oh, yeah. That's right. Over by the. Um, other town hall yeah that they and built. so they would have just a, a giant essentially place of real snow so that you could come there yeah i, don't, I think just that might have been just that one year and you know you throw could throw snowballs, snowballs. Yeah. at each other or just kind of make snow angels mm-hmm. and they would just keep making snow yeah over and over you know very which is funny. not easy to do in uh, central florida weather. <laughs> it really isn't uh it was very noisy But even just the downtown, I mean, I'm not going to get into individual shops and things like that, but some of them have been there from the beginning. The Celebration Town Tavern is a staple of Celebration. And I think for (laughs) me personally, what made it so amazing is the owners are from Boston. Boston, yeah. And it's very New England fair. I mean, down to, like, I was just looking at the menu last night, actually. And they have a veggie melt there, which when I worked at Brigham's, which was an ice cream and restaurant in Massachusetts, it was a a local chain. Um, We had one vegetarian item and that was it. And it was basically like frozen vegetables that you would put on a grill and put a piece of provolone cheese on it. It's literally described as that same thing in the celebration menu. So it's just like... They probably just were like, that's what people eat up here in New England. We don't take too kindly to vegetarians. But now they have like a lot of things. They have two veggie burgers. Um, But they have like Ipswich clams there, lobster rolls. They have hot dogs on the top split hot dog buns, which are a New England original. You can't get them down here. Yes, they have Fenway Park seats, lots of Boston stuff and memorabilia and things like that. Yep. Um, so if you are from New England and have not been to the Town Tavern, I highly encourage you to go check it out because it Absolutely. will be like a little bit of home. Um, that has been there from the start. The Market Street Cafe has changed hands a few times over the years. I think it is currently not open. <clears throat> but it's, I mean, it's basically a perfect Diner, yeah, it's just like a cute little 50s diner type thing where you could get milkshakes and they had great food. And that's right on the corner of Market Street um, and Bloom. I don't know what that other is. Street it Front is. Street? Bloom Street is, oh, Front Street, I think. Yeah. And then Bloom Street is the side one where the Starbucks <laughs> is. Sorry, it's been a while. Um, but there's been various little shops. They actually had their own little grocery store when it yeah, first they had opened. Goodings. Well, before that, oh, even, even before it was like a little gourmet grocery store and it did not do very well because you know people actually lived there and they wanted yeah. <laughs> like normal priced food items so then it became a goodings um that still didn't make it it was still a little too overpriced to survive um they also added at the end of celebration avenue boulevard whatever that where it goes out to 192 <laughs> there's the celebration um water tower center and they have a Publix there so so yeah they can't really compete with Publix when it comes into town 
um, there's a lot of other shops that have been in there. There was a Sanrio store there for a long time, which I have many memories of taking all the kids. I was kids also going to say they have the the Columbia. Oh yeah, there's that, a Columbia restaurant, which which you know, came straight from what, Ybor City. Ybor in, City in, in Tampa. In there's Tampa. one in Saint Augustine. Yeah. Very Florida. Um, I love Columbia. Their salad, which I have to get modified now, but it's really good. I think it's oh, 1905 yeah. salad, 190 <laughs> something. Um, lots of fun little cafes and, th- and things have grown and changed over the years um, as the community has. And it's mm-hmm. certainly, you know, like I was starting to say that we're going to talk about a little bit of the community itself and how everyone always talks about, you know, simpler times and they wanted mm-hmm. wanted it to be like back in the good old days. And, you know, a lot of stuff seemed like it was great in the good old days, but there was not much diversity. <laughs> there was not much, um, you know, cultural anything right. going on. So I think that's always been an issue for celebration um, as well. And I think you have that problem anywhere that you try to plan or even rehabilitate communities to try to um, make them more aesthetically pleasing. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to take into account that people are people and you can't control um, who moves in sometimes you can't control what happens to the lives of people that move in there right. celebration has had its own set of tragedies over oh, the yes years <laughs> even very recently um, so yeah but overall I will say that you know I would move back to celebration in a heartbeat if yeah. the opportunity presented itself I think it's still just a very cute you know just yeah. an idyllic little town setting I it is it. and the the fact that you can walk all through it and the, all the trails and the community aspects are very appealing, I, I think, still. Oh, yeah. Um, I think it would be great if they got a lot more um, cultural diversity and, and celebrated those aspects. That's just my opinion. I agree. But I still think it's a fun place to visit and drive through and see all of... Um, I didn't even mention they do a, a great uh, holiday lights, both for Halloween and oh, yeah. Christmas. So we always make it part of our driving around looking at decorations for Halloween and Christmas. Jeter Bend. Yeah, the legendary Jeter Bend, which is literally just a, a single street um, farther in, closer to Artisan Park, where yeah. they just really go all out, um, uh, especially started for by Christmas. Started yeah. by one guy, and he ended up on you know HGTV and all of those little... It was just Christmas that he started for, but then he started doing Halloween as well and then convinced all of his neighbors to join yeah. in. It's like a series of maybe eight or nine houses all together that yeah. really just go all out. Coordinated lights and music and yeah. effects yeah. and you bubbles. You turn your and radio dial to a certain yeah. frequency and you so get the whole music. Definitely check that out if you haven't. It's always a fun highlight of the seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I I think... We kind of covered it. Do you think there's anything else you needed oh, to mention? No. I mean, I, I personally, w- I worked in the office buildings and yeah. at Celebration Place for, for years. And, you know, so even though that's um, kind of on the outskirts of town, closer to US 192, um, it, you know, it still had uh, the feel of Celebration. Yeah, they were beautiful buildings. Oh, absolutely gorgeous. Each of them slightly different. That's right. And again, you could, if you wanted to, work in one of those buildings and live in celebration oh, yeah. and so, many of the people that i worked with did live in celebration yeah. at the time so we didn't really talk about technology or health and wellness which were two of the <laughs> well yeah community we should pillars definitely talk about uh, the the florida hospital yeah that um celebration 
the idea originally was to have a preventative health kind of mm-hmm. and wellness center, not necessarily just emergency hospital kind of thing. And Celebration Hospital, which is now, I think, Advent Health or whatever it's been. Mm-hmm. Is it Florida Hospital? Florida Hospital is I Advent it is Health. Advent Health, yes. Everything's changing. Yeah, they're all, they always <laughs> change their names now. Um, and that's the issue that Celebration has dealt with over the years is that you know, corporations come in and you kind of like all the individuality and the uniqueness that was Celebration have kind of gone away over the years because you have to have a regular hospital that's up to the standards of every other hospital. Same with the schooling, um, same with the downtown buildings. It's great that you want to open a Hello Kitty store, but that (laughs) probably can't afford the rent, um, which a lot of places find out as they try to create businesses there. That's correct. But anyway, the, the hospital is a beautiful building on its own the original part they've added on to it many times since Mm -hmm. then and the technology um everyone had like there's their own internet service so you have like your own cable and internet built in i guess um all underground utilities and that sort of thing yeah even that is just a revolution yeah when it when it opened that was like a big deal so They could probably use some technology upgrades. I would say so. Nowadays. Uh, do you want to go over the books that we referenced oh, yeah. during this? So basically, yeah. Um, this this book was especially uh, very helpful. This it's is great. If you can get... Is this still available? Do you know? I'm sure it is. I'll on, link to it. On book sites online, of course. This is called Celebration, the Story of a Town by um, Michael Lassell. <laughs> he actually wrote uh, many of the Disney on Broadway books of all things. Oh. But um, this is... Just a great book that really tells about the history of Celebration and basically um, it being developed into what it is today. Lots of uh, interviews from residents, so it really is a well, a very well-researched and done book. Uh, I would say the book that we referenced earlier called Celebration Journal, the inaugural issue, um, it actually doesn't even have a date on it, but I I know it came right right after Celebration opened. But it basically has a lot of articles in here about, you know, the creation and the ideals of the town. Very cool. Um, there are a couple, several architecture books. Um, Beth Dunlop, she actually um, did a couple of Disney architecture books that, you know, feature the, you know, the architecture that Walt, or sorry, that Michael Eisner was especially interested mm-hmm. in uh, bringing to Disney World. And so this one is called Building a Dream, The Art of Disney Architecture, done by Beth Dunlop. And then she redid it later, and this one has a huge chapter on just celebration called, you know, it's also called Building a Dream, The Art of Disney Architecture. Same title, but <laughs> two totally different books. Wow. Uh, bo- both by Beth Dunlop. So, if you had to get one, I would encourage the more recent one. But as a collector, <laughs> you gotta have both. And I even found a, a f- cute, tiny little, um, like a fifty-page paperback little mini book called Walt Disney World Ar- Architecture. Weird. That even has its own uh, chapter on celebration at the end. Hmm. Fun. That talks about that. Uh, we did reference also Michael Eisner's bio called Work in Progress that he wrote uh, with Tony Schwartz. Good four pages all about celebration in there. And then there, um, shortly after celebration opened, there are a couple of um, 
expose books uh, kind of <laughs> kind of like expose books but um with i would say not with too much scandal yeah in them. uh just basically what it was like to be a resident in the town of celebration by a couple of residents uh, one's called celebration usa living in disney's brave new town by douglas france and katherine collins and then the other one is called the celebration chronicles Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit of Property Value in Disney's <laughs> New Town by Andrew Ross. And I remember, like, especially he, he actually moved into the town with the purposes of writing this book. Wow. Um, but he did talk to a lot of um, um, Celebration residents and even the uh, some Disney executives that helped develop the town mm. um, as far as research into writing this book. So wow. those are a couple of interesting kind of... As you say, by um, <laughs> expose type books, but yeah. just like deep dives into what it was the like to be gritty. a celebration resident. Yes. So, yeah. Which I think, you know, as much as everything I wish was rainbows and pixie dust, I think it's good to have the truth and real stories and that's right, real experiences. Okay, I will find all of these and link to them in the blog post that goes with this and in the description, perhaps, on YouTube. Um, so, yeah. And we didn't really, I mean, we could go on and on, but really you should just go visit Celebration if you can and see there's like little uh, water fountains downtown and yeah. all sorts of parks. Yeah, even just the lakefront right, right there in downtown. Yeah. With the gator. <laughs> and really, I had it wrong in my head this whole time. I think I told someone this, that I thought Lakeside Park, the little area next to it with like the, uh, I don't know, there's like buildings in there. I guess they have like mm -hmm. recreation rooms or something. I thought that that was an equestrian center when it first <laughs> opened. And I, I rewrote history in my head and told people that that's what it used to be. Yeah, I just... But because I did so much digging, and I, I could not find anything because to of prove your descriptions. That. I thought it was just called the Equestrian Center, like to <laughs> kind of like uh, the idea of like Saratoga Springs. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I must have like driven through no. there, and they had like all maybe they had all of the horse-drawn carriages there at one time, and I was like, oh, the Equestrian Center. I really have no idea. It was oh. the '90s when you know I can't <laughs> no remember horses. that far back. They do have horse-drawn carriages that go yes, through downtown, did. or they did before 2020. Um, anyway. <laughs> We hope you enjoyed this little visit and uh, history of celebration. And let us know in the comments yes, of please. the blog post or on YouTube if you've ever visited Celebration and what you thought of it and what your favorite part was. Yeah. Maybe, maybe you gone even, to the town tavern. Maybe you've even lived there. And maybe what are your you thoughts about that? Yeah. Um, so thanks for listening and watching us. And uh, we'll see you next time up the waterfall. That's right. Thank you. Bye now.